What's up, good people of Clay County? Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Charlie Van Zandt, former superintendent turned superintendent candidate, as he lays out his plan for what the Clay County School District would look like if he's given another shot at the job. Enjoy. Thank you for joining another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today I have with me Charlie Van Zant, who is running for superintendent of Clay County Schools. Uh, Mr. Van Zant, first of all, thank you for uh, joining me today. I appreciate you taking some time. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you want to be superintendent. Okay, well, thank you for having me, Mr. Allen. Um, as you said, my name is Charlie Van Zant. I'm running for superintendent of schools here in Clay County. Clay County is my home, has been since I was a child. I grew up here. I attended Clay County schools, uh, Keystone Heights Elementary and Keystone Heights Junior Senior High. Uh, I graduated from Keystone in 1988, attended the University of Florida. Uh, at, during my first year at University of Florida, I joined the Florida Army National Guard and have served over 30 years in the National Guard, have risen from the rank of a private when I first enlisted to uh, Lieutenant Colonel, was prom promoted to Lieutenant Colonel a few years ago as a Deputy Commander of Camp Blanding right here in Clay County. I've uh, flown some great helicopters, um, Apaches, Blackhawks, uh, ended up deploying to the Middle East three times during my tenure. Um, married my college sweetheart, Stephanie. We've been married 26 years this summer. Uh, we have two boys, Luke and Wyatt, who are in eighth and 11th grade, finishing up the school year here at home, like everybody else's kid online. Right. Uh, so uh, we've never been homeschool slash online school parents, but we are now and we're working through it like everybody else. Um, they go fishing somewhere every night uh, in our little lakes around here. And uh, so we're, we're just living life. But uh, why I'm running for school superintendent um, it is the great calling on my life. Everything I've done, my background and training in the military, uh, my time teaching in the 90s prior to running for school board in 1998, um, my time as a school board member, as a superintendent, um, my time back in the classroom after I was a school superintendent, my work in the private sector in education, uh, after I was a school superintendent now, ever, all those roads lead and converge back to leading the Clay County School District. It, um, that position has given me the greatest fulfillment uh, of any position I've ever held in my life. I don't need a job title or a position. I uh, certainly don't need the stress but um, in this season of my life, it is what I'm supposed to be doing, I have no doubt. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have, you know, uh, a calling. And that's sort of, you know, what I'm trying to do with the Clay County Beacon, right? I just feel like getting information to people about all sorts of things happening in the county is really something that I feel called to called to do. Um, so it's cool to hear, you know, somebody running for office feel the same way about, about running for that office. You mentioned, you know, you have a lot of extensive experience, uh, not only in uh, the military, in the private sector, and then previously as a school board member and superintendent. So, you know, based on all that experience, all that stuff comes together, you're running, let's say you get elected. What does the next four years of the Clay County School District look like under Charlie Van Zant as superintendent? Well, my vision for the school system 
is pretty, uh, pretty simple, but pretty bold. Um, everything that we want to happen for a child happens uh, in a greater proportionality to their ability to read on grade level by the end of their third grade school year. Um, everything we don't want to happen in a child's life happens more regularly if they aren't reading on grade level by the end of their third grade school year. So day one, we get them into school, uh, we embrace their families, we make them comfortable in that school system, we build relationships with that student and their families. Um, we work on all the basics, but more, most importantly, we make sure that they can read by the end of third grade, because after third grade, they have to be able to read to learn anything else that we need to teach them, whether that's with a traditional paper book or online or whatever kind of format we're, we're teaching in, in 2020 um, and beyond, we have to get kids reading and reading on grade level as quickly as we can in their elementary age. After that, we have to be engaging in our curriculum offerings and in our instructional materials. Um, and we have to create an environment in the school setting that um, engages students to the point they want to stay in school till they get a standard high school diploma. If a student graduates um, with a GED or drops out of school, again, you fall back in that same category as if they can't read. Everything that you don't want to happen for them, drug addiction, teen pregnancy, juvenile delinquency, all those things proliferate for a kid who didn't get a standard high school diploma. The military, when uh, the economy is good, won't even take a student that doesn't have a regular high school diploma. There's just nowhere for these kids to go. Right. So um, I don't want to put kids out, out of school with an eighth or a 10th grade education because they turned 16 and were frustrated because they couldn't read in elementary school and somehow slipped through cracks. And, you know, they're out at working at a car wash and they're 30 years old and they're still working at a car wash. Now, if you just love to wash cars, it's America. You are free to do a minimum wage job your right. whole life. But I don't want that. I don't want somebody to have to do that. Right. So to couple up with that engaging um, curriculum and course offerings as superintendent, I will ensure that students have some kind of specialized job skill training to go with that high school diploma. When I was superintendent before we had some um, career and tech ed uh, training academies, uh, we really put some elbow grease into those and expanded those academy offerings. We started 14 new academies. We brought in a lot of new business partners and we created pathways for students to graduate with an industry certification along with their high school diploma in Clay County. And you can go back 20 years, we average about 50% of our kids graduating with a high school diploma then entering college. About 50% of our kids do not go to college. They don't wanna to go to college. A lot of great high paying jobs that require a skill versus a college diploma. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get a kid coming out of high school, going through a 12 or 18 month HVAC or plumbing program or IT or uh, a medical right. um, doing radiology or, or something like that. A lot of these kids with a bachelor's degree will take a decade to catch up to their peers that just went and got a skill. Yep. So college is not for everyone. 
I've never been a guy to chase standardized test scores and or think that every kid just needs to go to college. So my vision is that a kid that wants to graduate and stay in Clay County, start a family, raise their children around their family, where we have this sense of community that a lot of Clay County has been able to hang on to and a lot of other areas have built up and lost that. Um, I'm not saying I want to keep every, every person in Clay County. If you want to, you know, graduate, go to the Ivy League schools, move on with your life, move away, that's great. And you'll have the opportunity to do that. Clay's done a great job at preparing kids for college um, and then go away and do great things. But if they want to stay local, they want to grow a family business um, and raise their family here, I want them to have that opportunity too. That's kind of what the whole thing K to 12 looks like in Charlie Van Zant's mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I think, sort of in line with that. You know, um, public schooling, not just in Clay County, but across the nation has become so complex and burdensome and in a lot of ways that it was never really designed, you know, to do. It, you know, we should be equipping these kids to read and then do math and then be functional and then have a choice. Do I want to go to college? Do I want to get a job? Do I want to go get, you know, technical training? And, and it's funny that you mentioned college. I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see the percentage of kids going to trade school versus going to college or, or just going to college or not going to college. Um, what that's going to look like in years to come, because the landscape of college is changing. The Internet itself has changed the fact that uh, colleges now aren't necessarily the gatekeepers of certain types of knowledge and training and skills, right? Like I do a lot of photo editing stuff on the side. I've never taken a college class to do it. But, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you had to go to a university that had that sort of a program to learn how to use the different programs and have access to computers that could do that right. sort of thing, right? And just the, the increase in technology uh, and, and availability of information is going to change that landscape. And it's good to hear someone say that, you know, we need to look at that and say, regardless of what kids coming out of our high schools want to do as their next step, we should equip them to take that next step, right? So I think that's that's a very good, very good way of looking at it. Before we leave that topic, I just want to make this comment. There may be some teachers or guidance counselors listening. Um, when, when we started the Academies of Clay uh, back in 2012, we looked at uh, Nashville, Tennessee's model. Nashville had a great model. Um, of course, they had a very robust economy. They had a great mass transit system. Mm -hmm. So if a kid in Nashville wanted to go to a high school across town and do their uh, internship and, in uh, entertainment and work at the Grand Old Opry, um, they got a city bus pass. Oh, so cool. they could, if the school bus didn't get them all the way there, which it didn't if they lived all the way across town, they didn't have to go to the school they were geographically zoned to. They could catch a city bus, get off near that school, mm -hmm. and then they could use that bus pass all week long. They could use it to go to work, even over the weekend, whatever. Um, Clay County's mass transit system is our big yellow school buses. That's it. Right. You, you can't even get an Uber down here in Keystone Heights where I live. Yeah, so <laughs> I can imagine. I would not um, propose that we go back wall-to-wall -wall academy like we did. Mm -hmm. We marched down that road. We had a lot of uh, meetings to gain buy-in to do that. And I think my big lesson learned is I had these meetings. I would go personally and kick them off and talk to everybody, and we had – I learned in the military, you got to get everybody down to the lowest level involved in the conversation. Everybody's got to understand the mission from the, the lowest 
ranking private up to the colonels and the generals, everybody's got to be on the same page, right? Right. Well, as superintendent, I would walk in there and they would all smile and say, yes, sir. I, I wasn't asking for yeses. I was asking for input. Right. So it got designed. And then later I find out, well, it didn't work for the guidance counselor that was very unbalanced workloads. Right. All the kids would want to be in one academy, not the other. The kids maybe down here in Keystone or Middleburg that wanted to do the medical academy. Well, that worked great if you were in Orange Park and you could walk across the street from Orange Park High School to the Orange Park Medical Center right. and do your practicals. And some of these other places, certain academies didn't work so well. So we're going to have to rethink our transportation, the sure. hours. We're going to have to go back to the teachers and then the, the instructors and uh, some of the transportation people and try to renegotiate um, maybe some of their, their duty time, possibly, if we really have a, a great interest among students and parents in some of these academies. Right. And then we're going to have to follow that with dollars. If, if the school board wants to give those opportunities, the school board has the final say-so over the budget, so they're going to have to be on board with expanding those. But I, I think we can do it. Um, and do it well, but I, I don't think we can do it in the same model that we tried to follow last time. But what, what we did have happen last time is we increased our industry certifications by 83% in just four years. That's crazy. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, my father had a, had a micro stroke or a mini stroke back in 2016. Oh, no. So we're sitting in St. Vincent's Clay. This young lady walks in and she says, oh, good morning, Mr. Van Zandt. He's in the hospital bed. I'm standing there. And I said, oh, hi. I said, how do I know you? She said, I graduated from Oak Leaf High School last year. And you came out and gave me my certificate as a CNA. Oh, wow. I said, great. What are you up to now? She says, well, I work here at the hospital part time and I'm going to nursing school working on my bachelor's. And I said, wonderful. That is exactly what we were trying right. to set up. You know, so it, it does work. Um, and it worked great for her in Oakleaf, and there was a hospital right down on the end of Brandonfield Chafee in Middleburg for her to work at. Yeah, so, and I think the I think the most important thing I hear you saying in in that and that story is awesome. Like it's a it's a great success story, um, you know, from one of the academies. But I think the most important thing that you said there is that you are taking things that happened with your previous tenure as superintendent, and you're going to learn from those and build on them. You're going to iterate to make it even better. You know, because that's actually a question that, that people have asked. I have seen people ask, well, you know, well, is he just going to do stuff the same way that he did previously? And and, and I think that answers your question. So, folks, if you're listening, yeah, like, he just not. told you that, you know, he, he's absolutely analyzing what he did before and is going to use that to inform his decisions and his, his plan moving forward. So that's pretty cool. Um, so it sounds like, you know, you, you had a challenge that I think a lot of business people and, and anybody who's dealing with a large organization face. When you, when you go to folks for feedback, some folks are just intimidated to give feedback, right? Like it's very hard to solicit open feedback. So um, any thoughts on like, you know, how you would, it's such a difficult question, but like any thoughts on how you would try to get people to be a little more open with their feedback oh, as yeah. you introduce new programs? Absolutely. Um, and I've done this in the military and <laughs> everybody that's ever watched a John Wayne or a Clint Eastwood movie thinks they know what a 20, 30-year Army veteran lieutenant colonel thinks like. Right, <laughs> right. I, I am not your, your type A Clint Eastwood personality at all. I think in 30 years, I've probably given like five real orders, and those were when 
you know, there were mortar and rockets coming in and I was like, get down. Right. And I was getting down too. Right. Right. Taking cover. Yeah. So not, I, I don't like, I'm not Miss Bossy Pants. I, I used to kid with Denise Adams, who was my deputy superintendent, that she she was the boss and I was just taking directions from her. Right. But anyway, don't let me digress too far. Um, no worries. I'm just telling stories. Um, I think what I need to do is go to each school and I'm, I've committed to this and I've told several people that have asked similar questions to what you're getting at is I, I have committed and I am committed to going at least monthly, if not more often to campuses, excusing the principal from the room and bringing in everybody else and talking to them and getting the real deal. What's working well, what's not working well. Um, we've asked you to do all these things. What are your resource gaps? What are you getting in terms of feedback from the students and the families? What do we need to do in terms of support? I've never believed you should ask people to do any kind of mission without properly resourcing them. So if, if we're asking people to do things and not giving them the tools, equipment, training to do it, then that's just wrong. We have to lighten the load. And I will absolutely reduce the ridiculous amount of paperwork that is going on. Um, you know, we should not have teachers up half the night filling out reports that nobody reads, but principals and county level administrators, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you there. <laughs> the county administration in Clay County has proliferated. One of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to grab my organizational chart from 2015, 2016. I had intentionally, as people retired, not filled positions, and I'd spread the workload out among the existing cadre of administrators and whittled it down to less than 160 administrative positions in Clay County. I don't know how many there are now, but I know that the gentleman that succeeded me in office, the first thing he did was add six or seven um, hundred thousand plus dollar a year positions. Right. And that's continued to grow. Yep. Um, and that, that's not how you impact teaching and learning in the classroom is by adding, um, extra top heavy weight at the district level. Yeah. And, and I know there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of school level and, administrators in green code. That's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. There were a lot of school level positions that were squeezed and pushed and, and, and sort of cut or, or, you know, just kind of disappeared to, to make room at the top for a lot of top heavy, you know, salaries. And, 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 you know, it, it you know, in my experience, like if there's a position in a staff of an organization and that position isn't producing some sort of result that's a positive benefit that's, you know, sort of core to the mission of the overall organization, then why does that position exist, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not big on having, you know, a lot of people around just to talk about ideas and think about maybe what we're going to do. Like, you know, what are you doing? What's the work you're actually producing, right? So I think, mm -hmm. I think a, an evaluation of, of the, yeah, the, the, the administration level jobs would, I, I think, be welcomed by a lot of people. And going back to what you said about paperwork, the way that teachers that I know describe the paperwork that they have to do on a daily basis, like it's, it's insane to me. Like it's, it's just, I can't imagine any other profession 
where you would have to work a full schedule dealing with other people constantly. You know, they're, they're dealing with the children and they love the kids. Like, you know, I think all the teachers in the county have a heart for children because, you know, why? I don't think you last very long on the job if you don't. Um, you know, but they have to deal with, you know, planning the lessons, delivering the lessons, dealing with the children, all their job responsibilities. And then they have another sometimes three, four, five hours of paperwork and, and other administrative duties that they have to do. Uh, and it's just crazy to me. So, you know, I, I like your idea of, you know, evaluating all that and saying, like, you know, we got to cut this down. And, and, and again, with the paperwork, it's the same as with positions at the district level. If the paperwork isn't serving a purpose, why are you making people spend time out of their day to do it? Right. Like, you know, if there's if there's some benefit that that people are getting from it, I think most people will buy into putting in a little extra hard work on something if they can see that there's a benefit that they are getting or or that that somebody's getting out of it. Right. Like that that's benefiting, you know, in the public sector, like the students or the parents or somebody. But, yeah, it's good, I think, to evaluate those things. So sort of circling back to teachers, you know, there's a lot of (laughs) people say a lot of things about your previous tenure and we don't have time to go into all of them. But one of the things that people have famously talked about is is that you supposedly never gave teachers a raise. Uh, I, I, I want to give you an open forum to talk about that and sort of dispel that myth because I don't think that's true, and I think you can sort of prove that it's not true also. Well, it's patently not true. Um, before we got on this interview, I sent you a budget summary yep. that covers every year I held elected office from 1998 to 2016. You can see in every one of those budget years, consistently, 83 to 88% of Clay County School District's budget for the 18 years I held elected office went to salary and benefits to all three groups of people, teachers, support staff, and administrators. During um, my tenure, I think there were a total of two years that the teacher's salary remained status quo And that was um, during and right after the recession of Mm 2008-ish. Whenever I I don't know when the, quote, recession ended. I don't know that we had a day. We didn't make a national holiday. Everything else has a national day, like National Donut Day and National Whatever Day. Right. Um, So, um, but in 2013, my second year as superintendent, Clay County teachers received the largest raise in Clay County history. Over $6 million was applied to the teacher salary schedule. Right. Now, the union puts together a negotiating team, and the superintendent puts together a negotiating team to negotiate how that money is dispersed. And then the school board approves the superintendent's negotiating team. So the teachers, whether they're union members or not, uh, get say over, um, I'm sorry, I guess only the union members and all teachers are subordinate to the union members selection of their bargaining team. And then they hash out where that money goes. The year I left office, I had cut county office staff by a million dollars worth of payroll in order to give the very best um, teacher raise that we could and maintain the 3% fund balance that the state requires. Now put this in perspective. The first year I was in office, our fund balance was 1% in November of 2012 when I took office. Okay. Right. If you go back and uh, just Google search Florida state budget in 2012, 
you'll find that it was about 65 million, 66 million. Don't quote me. Go look, do your own research. Right, I will. Anybody that listens to this podcast, look at the state budget in 2012, 2013. And then go back and look at it in 2019 and 2020. It was 92 billion with a B and 91 billion with a B the last two years. So those are vast different numbers. Well, that those numbers are carved up over 67 counties and a couple other school districts like Florida School for Deaf and Blind and PK right. Young Lab School in Gainesville. Yep. So there's actually more than 67 school districts in Florida, but that's a whole nother long story. Um, so teachers were given a raise, I believe every year I was the superintendent, which was only four years, except for one. And I think the year they weren't given a raise when I was superintendent, they were allowed to cash out their 10 personal days that year. If they didn't use their personal days, they were allowed to cash them out uh, for $100 for each day. Right. Um, and I wanted to give the teachers a raise. If you look at starting teacher pay, and I don't have pay charts for 20, almost 20 years of elected office memorized, but teacher pay was in the low $20,000 range, probably around 21, 22, $23,000 in 98. Um, when I left being a classroom teacher for a first year teacher to be a school board member. And when I left office in 2016, beginning teacher salary was around 38 or $39,000. And the upper end of the pay scale during that same time frame went from around 49 or $50,000 to over $60,000. Right. So to say that I didn't give teacher raises or support teacher raises is just an untrue fact. People say it very passionately, like, and I'm sure some people believe it, but it's just not true. Right. Um, so that that's the truth. It can be easily verified with the documents that anybody can public records request from Dr. Susan Lagutko at the Clay County School District office. I, I public record requested the district budget summaries myself right. and forwarded them to you. Yep. So if you make a public records re request to PRR at oneclay.net and ask for the same budget summaries that Charlie Van Zandt asked for, they'll just email you the same two spreadsheets. Yep. 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 And I think that's good. You know, I, I would encourage anybody listening to this to look at these budgets, you know, of your, not just the school board, but all of your, your local governing bodies, like look at the budgets and be aware of like what they're spending money on and know that, that these things are a matter of public record too, right? So it's the school board cannot pass a budget that it doesn't publicly publish somewhere for people to see, right? It all has to be out in the open. You just got to, you know, do a little bit of effort to, to get at the numbers. Um, you know, there's a lot of fuss and, and, uh, hubbub, you know, and partly for me, like, uh, also, but from a lot of people around, uh, tax increases, you know, the school board over the last 18 months has requested, uh, three new tax increases, um, to add additional revenue streams, uh, you know, to their, their overall budget. Um, <clears throat> what I don't really hear, at least maybe, maybe I'm just missing it, but what I don't hear from the current school board slash superintendents is any sort of public-private partnership, meaning like are there businesses in the county that can contribute funds to, to fill gaps or to fund programs or, or whatever the case may be, like to, to, to bolster revenues that the school brings in to, you know, fund whatever project might need to be funded. Uh, I've seen a lot of school districts around the country start to move to that sort of a uh, model where they're like, how can we get 
public-private partnerships? How can we get people, businesses, business persons in the community to contribute funding to the school district? Do you feel like there's any opportunity for Clay County to do the same thing? Do you feel like there's an appetite or, or you know, a, a conducive atmosphere to go to businesses in the county and say, hey, guys, we want to do some things that we uh, think are good for the county and we want to give you a little bit of publicity in the progress, right? Because a public-private partnership is like, hey, this company's helping us do X, Y, and Z. What are your thoughts on that? Where do you stand on those sorts of things? Well, I fully embrace it, and, and we did it when I was superintendent. Absolutely did it. We doubled the amount of business partnerships that we had. Um, as I think I mentioned before, we increased our academies by f- 14. Um, and when, when I say we increased them, here's, here's what that means. Each academy, whether it was an academy of aviation science or medical science, or electrical wiring, or for first responders. Um, They had people that were experts in that field from private sector businesses, whether it's Orange Park Medical Center, St. Vincent's, um, I think Alcoa Metals. Um, I I don't have any kind of list in front of me. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, But we had the right private sector businesses involved in each academy. We had um, the ACE Academy um, at a couple of different schools. Well, that had architects, that had contractors, that had engineers. So Haskell Company, Elkins, um, big engineering firms and architecture firms invested. So we didn't pay anything for those professionals to come in and mentor our kids. And then our kids got paid internships um, and summer jobs, Vistar Credit Union. Uh, we have, I think, four or five Vistar Credit Unions that operate in our seven high schools. Right. Um, so those were huge. Yep. Um, we created faith-based partnerships. I would do probably two gatherings a year, like a breakfast or a lunch, where I would invite every church or faith organization in Clay County and every principal from our 42 schools at the time and uh, just cook them all breakfast or a church would host and their their people would cook breakfast and uh, I try to group them by you know Middleburg Keystone Orange Park wherever they were from right they would come up with different ideas themselves of how those organizations would support the schools Um, we had um, Bethesda Farms partner with us they do uh uh, they grow eggs, the real expensive ones that you can buy in Publix that are grass-fed chickens. They're like 4 or $5 a dozen. Okay, and cool. um, those guys started growing community gardens at Wilkinson Elementary, Charles E. Bennett, Keystone Elementary, I think Grove Park, So and started teaching kids and their families how to grow vegetables. Oh, that's pretty they neat. They could feed themselves. So... It wasn't like we always had people writing huge checks. Sometimes that happened. Sometimes somebody would come write a $50,000 check to the Clay County Education Foundation. Sure. They designate it for some particular program at a school. Um, But a lot of times it was just that expertise that we weren't having to pay for that was accenting the programs that were helping our kids build job skills or learn how to feed themselves or enhance the academic programs that we already had going. Yeah, well, yeah. I, in that. Yeah, I think expertise is just as good as money in a lot of scenarios. And 
people willing to spend their time, like people that have the expertise spending time, you know, with the students in the county. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about school safety and uh, the the Clay County School District Police Department. Um, there's a lot of hubbub, some of that, uh, you know, coming from me and in my website about how that came about. Not about, you know, the individual officers, the men and women that were hired for the police department, right? Like, I'm sure, you know, I have no qualms about the the, the quality of the human beings that were hired to do the jobs. But there was Correct. a lot of fuss, you know, when it was created about, is that the best way to spend the money? And, and is, does that, is that the best way to accomplish, you know, state-mandated school safety, um, you know, <laughs> measures that, that schools have to take? Um, is the Clay County, my first question towards that, is the Clay County School District Police Department something that under a Charlie Van Zant superintendency would be set in stone? Or if you could find a cost-effective way to, to protect schools, maybe reopen the partnership with the Sheriff's Department, would you be willing to, you know, is, is that something people want to know? Is that something that, are the candidates coming in and saying, well, that's a thing, we're just going to keep it? Or is it under the same sort of, scrutiny that everything else is to, to do it more efficiently and better and in, in the best way possible. Okay. Well, let me, um, let me unpack that whole thing for you. Cause I've got several thoughts about it. All right. Um, I agree with your overall take on it. The, the human beings that were hired are all certified law enforcement officers. So every Clay County school board department employee is a Florida certified gun carrying badge holding law enforcement officers. I support anybody that would do that thankless of a hazardous job in these United States. Right. So let me be very clear on that. Yep. Now, not out for any of their jobs. I support those men and women. Okay. Having said that as a school superintendent who relied on the Clay County Sheriff's Department as the spearhead of our school safety um, policy, and then the Orange Park and Green Cove City Police Departments in the schools that were in the city limits. I don't, under a Charlie Van Zandt administration, I would have never proposed a city or excuse me, a school board police department, even after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, I still would not have proposed that. I've had a good working relationship with every Clay County Sheriff um, that we've ever had. I've known them all, all the way back to Jennings Marie when I was a high school student myself. Um, And um, I would have maintained that relationship. I think what we had happen Um, was very unfortunate. The way this school board police department was birthed um, was very unfortunate. I think there were some very large egos in the room that got out of hand and the relationships broke down. And then the willingness to work with each other has broken down. Right. So this got very personal to me. And I've said this to Mr. Broski, the interim superintendent of Clay County Schools, and I said the same thing to Mr. Davis before he left. My two children, Luke and Wyatt Van Zant, are less safe at Keystone Heights Junior Senior High because of the creation of the Clay County School Board Police Department. And here's why I say that. Not because the law enforcement officers they hired are any... Uh, less competent or proficient than a Clay County Sheriff's deputy, 
the Clay County School Board Police Department does not have the capacity that the Clay County Sheriff's Office right. does, and they could not hope to. Right. Clay County School Board has a limited budget right. and a scope of work that is provided by Florida statute for them to provide a free and public education for our children, right. not to provide force protection and school security. Yep. The, the legislature um, proposed and supported um, a very good and a very bad bill that was well-intentioned. Right. Um, that, that I think they're re-looking at that. Governor DeSantis has said he wouldn't have supported all the provisions in that bill. Um, I've never desired to hold uh, a state legislative office. I certainly wouldn't have um, supported all the provisions in that bill. Right. And um, so as far as me becoming superintendent and continuing on with that police department or shutting it down, um, that's the school board's purview under Florida law. Gotcha. They have to decide whether or not they want that police department or not. If I am elected and given that honor and opportunity, I will then have to supervise the chief of police for the Clay County School Police Department. Right. And I will execute that duty in good faith. I think I'm more qualified to do that than anybody else in this race. I've had uh, three overseas deployments, served in combat zones, been in charge of force protection in hostile areas, much more hostile than Clay County. Right. <laughs> in our Clay County political uh, arena, people um, joke about it being hostile, but I've been in worse places. I promise you. Right. You've dealt with uh, real trouble as opposed to, you know, <laughs> arguments, right? Right. So, but day one, no matter who gets elected sheriff, I will work to reestablish a good working relationship with that sheriff. Cause right now, I think the last thing that our current sheriff's, uh, deputies want to do is give any, um, I want to say this very carefully. There, there's not a relationship or a posture of uh, good faith between the sheriff's office right. and the police department. I think that's as obvious as the nose on our faces, right? Yep. They really, they don't have a good relationship. They don't want to work well together. So I, I don't doubt that if um, we have one of those worst case scenarios happen that the sheriff's office deputies would respond if called, but there's been such a breakdown in the relationship and communication uh, that it's scary to me. So without, and when I say the police department for the school board doesn't have the capacity, here's what I mean. Um, they don't even have a working uh, memorandum of agreement with the sheriff's office that allows them to exercise their law enforcement uh, rights and responsibilities off campus. Right. They can't transport a student. We had an elementary school in Clay County where five Clay County School Board employees were injured. One was transported to a hospital for a oversized sixth grader uh, that was a special needs student that got physically brutal and the school and the school policeman that was at the school that was a clay county school board policeman was not that they did not allow the school board policeman to physically restrain the child who needed physically restraining and our employees were injured yeah it's a shame so it you know if something happened down here in keystone those those two officers down here are physically geographically uh cut off from any of their peers as far as secure communications uh that network, a SWAT team, 
uh, forensic analysis, uh, investigative capability. None of that's here. They have an officer for each school and two or three floaters and a police chief. Right. So it, it, it's, it's not set up uh, to do the kind of things a sheriff's office anywhere could do. That's not a slide on the men and women or the police chief. It's just not nearly what we had when we had uh, the capacity and the network of a sheriff's department running our school. So right. I wouldn't have done it. I don't think it's the best um, that we could possibly have. It is the school board's decision. Um, first 90 days in office, I'll make an assessment and I'll work with the sheriff to, to mend whatever fences we have to mend with whomever is our sheriff. Right. And um, then I'll begin to make recommendations to the school board, but I'll work with whoever's there. Um, and um, I, I feel very confident in my background training and ability to keep our students safe. And um, that isn't a one, two, three priority with me. Safety's prioritized over everything. Right. That isn't a checklist item. That, that is, that is the, the main focus. Good. That's good. Thank you for that. Um, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to know. All right. A couple more things I want to we'll cover with you. Um, next thing is school choice slash charter schools, right? There's a lot of talk locally, nationally, state level about charter schools. And, and I think, you know, uh, charter schools were born out of uh, a perception by parents across the country in various school districts that the school district wasn't meeting the needs of, of their family and their students, right? Charter schools have issues in certain areas, right? It's not a perfect system nationwide, but I think in Clay County, you know, you look at our, our limited amount of charter schools and, um, you know, the limited scope that we have them. I, I think they're probably some of the better examples of the way charter schools should run. Um, what are your thoughts on charter schools? It was said recently by a school board member that charter schools are not Clay County schools. Do you view the charter schools in the county as part of the Clay County school system? Absolutely. They're part of the Florida education fabric. They're, right. they're written into Florida law. They're not, you can't say they're not part of your school district. They must apply through your school district. They're voted on by your school board. Right. Um, if your school board chooses not to accept their application and uh, doesn't give a sufficient answer for not accepting their application, it can be overturned by the Department of Education and the right. Department the State School Board says, oh, no, Clay County or whatever county, this is, in fact, your school. So that that's just a misunderstanding, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Misunderstanding, whether it's uh, willful or, you know, just a lack of information makes you wonder. Um, so school choice in general, I view uh, one of the successes in Clay County, and I, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know who started it or where it came from, whether it was around when you were superintendent previously or the, the current administration started it. One of the things I love about our county is that we're actually giving parents within the county the ability where there's capacity and where it makes sense and where it complies with, you know, state and local statutes, the ability to look at different schools in the county and say, hey, I think my kid would be a better fit for, you know, the ex, uh, the elementary school that's a couple miles down the road as opposed to the one that's right in our neighborhood. And it's not necessarily a condemnation of the one that's close to them. It's just, you know, there's maybe different things going on. Uh, for me, you know, I have a daughter who has uh, family members who go to a different elementary school. And we're actually looking at a different elementary school that's sort of on my way to work. And one of the advantages for us is that my daughter will actually get to go to school possibly with you know, some people that she knows and has grown up with, right? So she'll have the familiarity of the school system, but also that do under under you, under a, um, you know, an administration, if you're elected, would you continue that program? Would you allow parents where it's possible and feasible and makes, you know, fiscal sense to, to continue to be able to sort of 
choose within the school district where they would want their student to go? Absolutely. We, we did when I was previously superintendent. Here, here, here's the deal, Mr. Allen. I'm one of eight kids. Um, we moved to Keystone when I was in fifth grade because my mother uh, had cancer and was fighting it. She passed away three years later. So I grew up with uh, one younger sister that's two years younger and two older brothers who were adopted. For us, there was no such thing as a charter school. There weren't any private schools down here. We all attended public school. My older brother uh, had struggled prior to being adopted. He ended up dropping out, graduated with his GED from a vocational setting. Uh, some of my younger siblings have been uh, homeschooled, uh, private Christian schooled. We tried a private Christian school uh, with my oldest brother who eventually got his GED. So I say all that just to say in my own family, it took several pathways to get eight kids from the same parents educated. Right. Okay. So um, I'm a firm believer in school choice just based off my own personal experience. Now add in 18 years of being a school board member and or school superintendent. I have talked with countless parents who have had their own children, who've adopted children, who have had uh, married and had his and her kids and his, hers and theirs. And you, you just, you get all these kids together and each one are different. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, children are uniquely uh, knitted together in their mother's womb. Right. Um, the, the, you can't, it's not one size fits all at all. So if um, somebody lives off Pine Avenue in Fleming Island and they're zoned for Patterson, but they think uh, Fleming Island Elementary is a bigger fit or better fit for their kid and they have a way to get them there or we have a way to get them there as a courtesy rider on the bus route, then absolutely that why shouldn't we yeah there there are some you know uh, people have some people have different opinions on that and, I, and to me that's puzzling because i think creating choice within your own school districts creates competition within your school district it requires each of your schools to sort of step up and perform right because you mm -hmm. want to be the school that's enticing uh students from all over to your your campus but it also you know it's a way to instill confidence from parents in the school district that that they have some say and some sway and some influence over the sort of environment in school their kids will be in. So it's, it's good oh, to yeah. hear me, say that. Let me just add a little to that. Sure. The whole school choice. Um, I, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive kind of guy. So I charter schools as a public school superintendent don't bother me at all. Right. If they apply, if they meet the state standards, um, the only charter school recommendation that I ever did not recommend approving um, was the one that got shut down. It looked like a shady fiscal operation in right. the beginning when I was a board member and Mr. Wortham did not recommend it. The next year it came back. Um, I did not recommend it. And uh, the state let me know they were going to overturn it because Clay County was yet to have a charter school and it looked like we were anti-charter. That wasn't the case. We had just not seen a good charter application yet. Right. While I was superintendent, we got three more charter applications. Uh, the uh, uh, Charter Schools USA out in the Tynes Elementary area. Mm -hmm. um, we got the St. John's Classical. Um, you know, there, there was controversy in it, but 
Um, if you're a charter school parent or a big proponent of that, just understand there were no charter schools in Clay County prior to me becoming superintendent. I didn't go out looking to start charter schools, but if that's the fit for your family um, and they meet the state guidelines, what the one, the one change I would like to make is either make it each county's come up with their own guidelines if the county school board is going to be the one to vote on it and the superintendent staff is going to have to be the one to staff it right then let us set the guidelines or let the charter schools apply to the state because the state set the guidelines but it puts the counties in a precarious position because the state set up all the rules and then the county has to grade the test right yeah, it's, you know, it's a it's a precarious sort of. It feels like the county doesn't have any. We administer it, but then the state grades it, not us. Yeah, it's sort know, of a precarious. Yeah, sort of a precarious <laughs> spot where it feels like maybe the counties, the local districts, don't have as much of input on some of that stuff as, as they would like. And I think I think you could make a solid argument for that. Like they're the way that they come about and who sets the rules and, and sort of how they're enforced on the, the charter schools. There's probably some, like I said, charter schools are not a perfect solution. School choice within the county is not a perfect solution. But what it is, those are symptoms of, you know, people telling the school districts across the country, not just Clay County, that, hey, guys, you know, we're looking for something, you know, you're not meeting all of our needs. And, and it's sort of a... a uh, offshoot of, of people saying we're going to find a way to make sure the needs of our students are met right so it's good to hear that you're that you're you know where, where it's a good opportunity and it makes sense and it complies with the law you know, that you're makes on board with it. Do the yeah. public schools better and, well that's what i've always said yeah like if if a charter school if a there's a school district and a charter school comes in and that charter school is performing better than all your 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 other you know public schools why would you not look at what that charter school is doing and figure out how to replicate that across the rest of your schools? Like, if they are so much more successful, why are they successful? But even within, like, the school district, we have, uh, you know, Orange Park Elementary. Um, that's, I believe, like, the seventh best elementary school in the country. Um, and we look at that as, like, well, Orange Park Elementary just, elementary just does the things the way they do it, and they're the only school that does that. And it's so puzzling to me, because if they're that good, why aren't we replicating that everywhere across all of the elementary schools? Why aren't we looking at how they got to the level of success that they have to replicate that. But anyway, we could, I think we could spend a whole hour talking about how do you replicate success across various schools. The last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go, because you've been very gracious with your time this morning is where do you stand on an appointed versus an elected uh, superintendent? Well, every time in history, and I would challenge you to, to find a time that this is not true, but every time I've ever looked anywhere that political power has been consolidated into fewer people, especially when those people were politicians, mm -hmm. the average citizen loses. Yes. Every time political power is consolidated into fewer people, the citizen loses. There are over 215,000 people in Clay County. This is a census year. I don't know the accurate number. That was 2012, 2010's year. Uh, that was their number. We were well over 200,000. Right. So why we would think that we should consolidate selecting the superintendent down to five people when there are absolutely no requirements to be a Clay County School Board member other than being a registered voter and being 18 years old? Right. Why would those five people, whomever they are, and that's no slight on the current school board. I was a school board member. Right. But why, why should those five, whoever they are, school board members, select our superintendent? Yep. Somebody please explain that to me. Yeah. If you look at 
look over the last 20 years at the since Florida schools have had grades since Jeb Bush was our governor, any given year, look at the top 10 school districts in the state of Florida and look to see if they have an elected or an appointed superintendent. You can't show me any year where the majority of those top 10 school districts have the majority of those districts are appointed superintendents. The majority are always elected. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I stand. You know, I don't, I don't, there's no five people on the planet that I want to necessarily allow them to make that sort of an overarching decision on. Right. I, I think that people should have a say in the superintendent. Um, you know, that, that's, that's my stance on and it that, as well. That doesn't even get into the money part. You go to comparing the dollars and cents for an appointed superintendent. That was going to be my next statement. And, you know, talk about top tens. If you look at the top tens in terms of pay, you know, it, it, it costs more to pay someone who is an appointed superintendent. Like the salaries are just higher. You know, we could talk about what the reasons are for that. You know, I have some personal opinions on, on why that's the case, but um, you know, uh, I, I think that, that it's a, for me, it's a very hard case to make for an appointed superintendent. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that's sort of where you, you stand on it as well. You don't have to look any farther than across the river. Yeah. There was a, a, a time in recent history where Duval County was paying three superintendents at once. Two that's previous crazy. superintendents were getting their golden parachute payout and their current superintendent was on the payroll. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's just nuts. And, and you know, who, who why would we want to do that? I, you know, deal with that. I don't know. All right. So last thing. Mr. Van Zant, um, you know, open mic for you to to give a message to the voters of Clay County. Uh, you know, why 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 should they pick you for Clay County Superintendent of Schools? Well, when you look across the field of candidates, um, you look at the special interest money that is in Mr. Broski's campaign already. Ton of union money, ton of political action committees. I'm not bought and paid for by anybody. You look at my campaign account, you'll see donations from as little as five and ten dollars to five hundred and one thousand dollar donations from all over the place. These are people that I've talked with, people that I've served in the military with, people that I grew up with, that I went to church with, that have nothing to ask of me if I become superintendent of schools. My family is here. Um, I'm rooted in Clay County. I care about this. I don't need a title. I don't need a salary. There's nothing in this for me, but working for our kids and their families as hard as I can every day, sun up to sundown to make Clay County a place where we want to raise our families, where our kids can grow up and learn job skills along with their earning their high school diploma um, and a place where we can exercise real traditional American family values. That's what I want in a school system. We are losing that every day in America. I want to have a place where kids know what it is to be a real American citizen, to grow up, to be able to have an education, to be able to go find a job, to have something to offer their fellow man and to be able to raise their family around the rest of their family if they choose to. And if they, Clay County does a great job of getting kids prepped for standardized tests and send them off to college 
and they can go to Ivy Leagues. We get millions each year for our graduating seniors in college scholarships. I'm all for that. If that's kids, we, we train kids that go off and be doctors and attorneys and airline pilots and all those things. And that's wonderful. But if anything, the last couple of months have showed us we needed our plumbers. We needed our truck drivers. Yep. We needed our, our grocers. And, and those are honorable professions too. It's hotter than blue blazes outside yesterday. Yes. We need our HVAC techs. Right. If, if, if you go to the bathroom when we get off the phone and your, your toilet clogs, you're going to call a plumber. Yep. We, we need to be able to offer pathways for kids that want to do those kind of things too. And they can make a great living and provide for their family doing those things. And so I want to include those families that Clay County, quite frankly, is currently leaving behind. Uh, the, the current and previous administration have um, left some schools behind. They, they, they rezoned Charles E. Bennett Elementary. I will be shocked if they're not an F school the next time, next time schools are rated. Um, they, got a, they got a pass this year because of COVID and we didn't have standardized tests, so they won't have a school grade this year. Right. Um, but they've left only the poorest families in Clay County, the, the most economically disadvantaged in Charles E. Bennett Elementary. Right. And, and um, I'm not a big proponent of standardized tests. We didn't even get to that topic, I don't think. Um, but, you know, when you show me a standardized test where I can't um, take the family medium income of that, the kids in that school and plot them along a parallel line, right. then, then that'll be a standardized test I'm willing to look at. Right. Um, you mentioned Orange Park Elementary. Do the same thing. Yeah, they're always in a school, but take take the average family income and plot it along there, and those lines will parallel. I promise you. Right. So anyway, um, I'm from here. I live here. I'm invested here. I'm a strong conservative. Look into the uh, party registration of my opponents. Um, look into the training background. There is no superintendent in this race. Um, that has a training and background to process and keep our students safe like I do. There's not another superintendent that has a track record of academic excellence. Our graduation rate went up 10% in the four years I held office. I don't have an opponent that has any academic track record of any kind of excellence. We created 39 STEM and robotics academies uh, during my tenure. Right. Um, one of my opponents, there weren't even computers in schools uh, when that person was superintendent. Um, interim superintendent has no track record of running a school district or a 400 plus million dollar budget or supervising 5,000 employees ever, right. except for under a stay at home order. Um, so they're, they're just, when you look at what it's gonna take, the experience, the leadership, the background, uh, I think I am the one that's uniquely qualified um, to lead. So I would like that opportunity. Uh, my name is Charlie Van Zandt. I'd like to be your next school superintendent, and I'm asking for your vote. Awesome. Well, I, again, you know, appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, wish you, wish you best of luck uh, in the upcoming election. Thank you.